This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. I am Brandon. I am in an apartment in Brooklyn and 1.6 miles away in another apartment in Brooklyn is Josh. Hello, Brandon. How are you? Have you ever done the math on actually how far away our apartments are? I have. I, I love sometimes pulling it up in Google Maps. You know, you, you, you put it in and then you can gauge exactly how far it is. You're, you've gone so far, how, uh-huh. you know, how much, how much time you have to yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of things to occupy my brain, right? I don't have a lot of um, political well, look, concerns looking, or... Looking at Google Maps is like the new just flipping through the dictionary, I think. A way to stimulate the brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those like gem games people play in the subway, you know? So people just look at Google Maps. So I guess, let me try this segue here. Speaking of distance, <laughs> you're actually bridging the gap between yourself and me in our head-to-head 50-buck cup. Right. I'm doing, I'm doing it like one point at a time, right? <laughs> yeah, we have excruciatingly close head-to-head matchups the last few weeks. And uh, this week, Game Week 14, it actually came down to the BPS distribution among yeah. Liverpool defenders. Yeah, so I'll, I'll lay out the scenario here. Uh, I, had a, I had a pretty good Saturday. Not, not great, ultimately, but, but rather good. And I, had a, I, I knew I had a 15-point lead on you, all things being equal. We both had, uh, we both had Liverpool defenders. You have... Uh, Nathaniel Klein, I had Martin Skirtle. And uh, so I thought, well, that's probably going to end up being a wash or, or not enough to make a difference. And you had uh, Ozil and Andre Ayew. So I just yeah, needed, I Ozil, to- yeah, I needed Ozil and Ayew to not get 15 points combined. Right, yep. So what was it, like 33 minutes into the Arsenal match, Ozil scores? Golazzo. Gol- <laughs> Pretty good goal, actually. Yeah, nice little dink. Yeah, it might have almost been a pass. I mean, it was. I guess it was a shot on goal, but but Giroud was right there too. In case it case it was it, it was strange how he dinked it to the far post. You often see a dink just in, uh, straight ahead or to the near post. It was like it was one of those great slow motion goals where there's nothing anybody can do. <laughs> like they all they all can just see it rolling towards the goal, but it's too late to actually do anything about it. Yeah, 
So he gets that goal, and because he's Ozil, you know, if he gets attacking points, he's on three bonus points, like, right away. He's the Eden Hazard of this season. That's Absolutely. the way it worked with Hazard it's all last year. Very true. Uh, so because of that, I'm thinking I am, like, kind of screwed here, you know? Like, I mean, one goal in the 30th minute against Norwich, and then, you know, it's very possible that AU gets something here. Yeah, or presumably Arsenal's going to score at least two more goals, and Ozil will have a piece to play in one of them. And, and when I was game set match, <laughs> bit of bang, bit of bang, bit of boom. <laughs> and what I was not expecting was I, I thought if anything, the Liverpool game might be a wash or a slight benefit in my favor because Skirtle has been picking up more points than um, than Klein, you know, week in and week out. Um, Skirtle is basically wearing a paper Burger King crown, but he scratched out BK and put BPS on it. <laughs> He is really. I think he's his bonus points have actually gotten pretty high so far in the season. I think he's. He might have. He might have reached double digit bonus points by now. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. <laughs> so, so Skirtle has a twelve point lead on all the other uh, Liverpool defenders in the season, which is a little higher than I would have expected. And he has picked up uh, only six bonus points in the season. So, are I was you serious? Way over the top. Well, yeah. I really overinflated it. <laughs> so, uh, so Skirtle picks up a yellow card, and you know, anybody who plays fantasy Premier League knows the second you get a yellow card, it is almost impossible to rack up bonus points. Yeah, you can, you can score like like a hat trick and assist three goals, and you might be on like one bonus point. Like a, ye- a yellow card is is it's incredible how powerful it seems to be in terms of destroying your bonus points. <laughs> Uh, so I knew I was screwed in that regard, and and then slowly as the game was on, there you know with that tracker we talked about earlier on new a new PLA.net, you get these real time stats on on you know who the points uh, leaders are at, the, at that point. So so I think he was, stipulates on the a new PLA site that there is a point four three five second delay, so it's nearly real time, nearly real time, uh, and so it looked like we might be heading for a tie. Uh, and I, I, which I, I would have, which I would have taken in this case because I had such a mountain to climb on Sunday. Yeah, everything had to break right. I mean, that if that Norwich goal doesn't happen, you're on another bon- another point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was very tight. If if uh, Klein is, Klein was really frustrating to watch. I Jordan Ibe was just eating up all the possession on the flank on yep. the right hand side side, and Klein. I still expect him to do something in the next month. But he is a pale comparison to how he played with Southampton last season, where he was the most active person on the right-hand side of the field. And yeah. you don't see him getting forward nearly as much. Yeah, you, it's really Alberto Moreno on, on the left who's, who's really who's picked up the slack there. Uh, and and I'll tell we you saw that with his three bonus points. I, I can't look at Nathaniel Klein without thinking about SpongeBob SquarePants for some reason. He <laughs> looks like a SpongeBob SquarePants character to me. Really? Why, yeah. why do you say that? I don't know. So there's just something about his face. <laughs> really? There's something about that is, a, that is that's madness. It is madness. I think Nathaniel <laughs> Klein actually lives in a pineapple under the sea. He does have a very plain face. Like he looks like a cartoon. There's no like there's no character in his face. It's very flat. Yeah. Yeah. And he he just runs he just runs down that right hand side of the field going nick 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 Nickelodeon. And I can see he has very dark eyes, so he, there's like a little bit of uncanny valley thing going on there too, where he doesn't he doesn't seem entirely real. So we could be uncovering some sort of uh, like cyborg conspiracy. Deep yeah, this could the be Premier League. You don't think the woman from Ex Machina is Alberto Moreno, do you? Uh, well, it's a fair question. It's a fair <laughs> question. 
We'll save it for the next episode. All right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So uh, you've basically laid it all out there. And as we saw on the Anu PLA real-time stat site, Klein was neck and neck with, uh, with uh, James Milner for one or two BPS through all of the latter stages of the second half. And then 15 minutes after the final whistle, uh, miraculously, Dejan <laughs> Lovren ekes in there like, like in the Kentucky Derby and steals a bonus point away from Klein, and Klein can, gets nothing. Can you walk me through your emotions as, as when this happened? Well, listen, if you want to talk about my emotions in game week 14, I'd say buckle up because <laughs> I've got a lot of things that I need to say. All right. I'm uh, right. But, but, well, but, but in that very moment um, – you were, you were just like whatever you've gotten this far. It was kind of terrible week. It was kind of bittersweet to think that a tie was in the cards between you and I and Head to Head, and I frankly wasn't too dissatisfied to lose the tie instead of a loss um, because I will only be satisfied if I beat you. <laughs> That's true, and <laughs> and, so- and there's there is a lot of and all you FPL managers will know exactly what I'm talking about. Where there's a lot of strategy when it comes to approaching the emotions that go on during the weekend, and you have to make some real hard, fast decisions. Am am I going to embrace these emotions? Am I going to fan this flame, or am right. I going to put this in a little compartment off to the side and probably snap? at somebody at work <laughs> three days later right, um, right. Be- because of this BPS Because the tension, it's like, it's, like a, it's like winding a watch, right? The, the tension's got to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, those, those emotions with the BPS, with the Liverpool game, sort of paled in comparison to um, Saturday and uh, watching what happened to my transfer situation. Right. It, uh, going into uh, going into game week fourteen, I decided uh, based solely on one goal that Sergio Aguero scol- scored <laughs> the week before that I was going to get Aguero into my team. Uh huh. And we talked. We talked. To a lot be of- fair, you know. The player you brought out in your midfield was had not been performing very well the last several weeks. Yeah. Right. So listen, we can think about this uh, one of three ways. I dropped Kevin De Bruyne to bring in Aguero. The other option would be to drop Alexis Sanchez to free up the cash. Right. So in the process of dropping De Bruyne and Graciano Pele, I bring in Aguero and I bring in Deli Ali. Deli Ali gets a fifth uh, yellow card and he's out for the week. <clears throat> so there I have to bench one of my transfers. Now, how do you feel? I mean, because you... Was this a, was this a move that could only be made? You had like point one million or something. Are you, were you that worried about the price rise that you had to make it that day? I feel like a Saturday transfer is almost always a transfer that backfires. Um, I wasn't. I I could have afforded to make the Aguero transfer had I waited a, a couple days. I mean, right now, what do I have in the bank? Right now, I have point seven million in the bank. Oh wow! So okay. I, it's a what, huge error. Yeah. <laughs> But but right at that very moment, I had this, I mean, to use a pun, I had this surge uh, for Sergio Aguero, and I felt this, it's got to be great, him. Great pun. <laughs> um, so I just felt like I'm going to make this transfer. Everyone is going to make this transfer. Do it now. Make some cash while you can. Okay. Um, 
so and I, I that would not have changed uh, had I waited for another week. I still would have made the same Cause, transfers. Cause I probably would still would have brought Deli Ali in, knowing he was on a red. I was happy to bench him. Yeah, the, well, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, the way your team set up, you could you could afford to bench him for a week. And had you seen what 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 Sanchez did at midweek right. uh, in the Champions League, it would have been very hard to bring in. Um, to, to, you know, you would you would have you would have kept Sanchez, right? And you know, what did he have? Two goals and an assist. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, based on based on the evidence I had, okay. So one of three options, right? Option number one, based on the evidence I had, uh, Sanchez will play hell or high water, and he is explosive. Uh, granted, he's been playing every game. He's been playing ninety minutes. He's been threatening injury, but Kevin De Bruyne has also been playing every game. He's been playing 90 minutes all these games, and most of these games recently, he's been chasing them. That team has looked a little bit out of shape, and he's not been performing. So because I'm bringing in City cover with Aguero, De Bruyne is the first to go. Now, you're watching these games on Saturday, and who's performing? Kevin De Bruyne. He gets a goal and two assists, three BPS. Now, your classic FPL manager is going to sit there and stew and uh, make, the, make the, the life of, all, of the other bar patrons a living hell during this game. <laughs> uh-huh. So like, like, like with, like, sighs and, like... Yeah, just muttering fucking bullshit under your breath and all that stuff. <laughs> right. and, and also, right. also, you as that FPL manager are not going to enjoy watching those games. Right. So option one is just to accept that it's it's the luck of the bounce. It's just it was just bad luck. You didn't necessarily make a bad decision, but this is the way it is. You can't let it shade the way you play the game or the way you watch and enjoy the Premier League. <laughs> so, so that's the positive. So you didn't react at all then. You you didn't do any of this muttering. You just you you kept it all together. You know what? Uh, the only thing that saved me um, from spiraling into a dark emotion was. I knew that you were on a Stoke clean sheet and you were on an Everton clean sheet around what, like the seventy fifth minute in those rounds. Uh-huh. Yep, and you you were about to like just blaze ahead. Uh huh. Um, and that yeah, I, mean, I was I, I, I was in danger of of almost losing like whatever fifty point gap I have on you generally in the game. And then, and then within uh, a flurry, <laughs> you lose both clean sheets, and then yeah, some. it happened within. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it ha- well, the the they were both actually. I I could believe. I, I was annoyed, but I shouldn't say I couldn't believe it because I I could believe it because I was I was watching the Everton game, and Everton stopped playing at halftime. Uh, they decided around the 40th minute that this was a game that they couldn't lose. And they were doing elaborate stepovers and fancy passing, and just, it was. I we I actually tweeted about it on our Twitter feed. I mean, it was it was like Delafeu was attempting Cristiano Ronaldo stepovers just out of out of boredom, as far as I for can all tell. you for all you FIFA sixteen players out there, we've all seen this happen in the online drop in matches. <laughs> yeah, it was, and so they just they they knew they had this game sewn up. Uh, and Bournemouth, to their credit, came out in the second half and amp- like they were just bossing them. It was crazy that they hadn't scored until the you know seventy fifth minute or whatever it happened. And uh, you know, so they they scored one, and the, se- the second they scored one, I thought, well, I could see a second one coming here too. And so that was that was really annoying, but I, I was sort of okay with it. 
There was, you know, there's a red card in the Stoke match. Fucking that troll. Uh, <laughs> Shaw Cross. Shaw Cross. He's more of an orc than a troll. The, I think. You're right. He's an orc who lives under, but he still lives under a bridge. Yeah, that's fine. I accept yeah. that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he, he gets his red card. And I, I know that clean sheet's lost because, you know, Sunderland, even with, you know, even with um, their uh, forward going uninjured. Um, Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe, thank you. Uh, even, even with uh, Defoe going uninjured, I knew, um, I, knew, I knew a goal was coming there. But I, you know what? What saved me though a little bit was this crazy lucky Everton goal right at the end. Okay, and, so uh, so they cut away to the Bournemouth Everton match because it was still going on with the extra time. NBC mm-hmm. cut away to it after uh, what game was I watch? I was watching the City Southampton game. So that yeah. game closes and they they go to that game and Barkley scores his goal and I. I couldn't believe Coleman got that assist. He just lost <laughs> possession. He lost. He possession. kind of dribbled it. He, but he, you know, he was the one. He got in the box. You always get. You always get an assist for that. That is. An, that is a, a he, sure assist. Yeah, yeah. I can't argue that. But um, I mean, what? What dumb luck? What? Dumb, <laughs> and then I got a bonus point. Luck. Out of what it too. dumb fucking stupid <laughs> luck? I couldn't. I just couldn't take it. And so that's. Is that when you finally yelled at the bar, or did you keep it together even then? I just had to. I had to smile and at least count the good fortune that uh, that old Jack Butlin didn't get yet another clean sheet. Yeah, I, she, yeah. I got a text from your wife later that day, actually, too, and she asked why you said you you came back from the bar with tears, like like it was clear that like tears had dried on your face. You know that look when like like a baby stops crying and they have like you know the, the tear face still. Well, listen, I I was raised in a family that's uh, so masculine and so hardcore that if you, in any rare occasion, actually do shed eye water, mm-hmm. i.e., cry, salty discharge, you are not allowed to wipe it from your face because that is that just um, amplifies the sign of the sign of your weakness. Right, right. No, so, yeah, I've heard that, you say this many times before. So that's why Lila, my wife, saw that I had been crying because I'm forbidden from wiping tears away from my face. <laughs> so, okay, so in the head-to-head now, which nobody cares about but you and I. Well, uh, uh, I need to finish my, my, oh, okay, uh, three, right. my three-point PowerPoint presentation. Okay. So point number two, um, I could definitely take myself to task for this. And the writing was on the wall for this Sanchez injury. Um, okay, I'm not saying this is necessarily correct or incorrect, but this is another way you can look critically at my decisions. The writing was on the wall with Sanchez. We all knew that De Bruyne, even though he'd been chasing points for the last month, was due for a game like this. <clears throat> Maybe it was dumb luck, but but I am willing to admit that, that there were some poor transfer decisions made. And we have discussed on this very podcast that it would be necessary to wait on Aguero because, of course, when he, when he limped off, um, possibly injured again, that was when I got to point three of my three-step process where, oh, my God, I've just blown up my fucking team for no reason. Right. Like right. Sanchez is out injured now. Aguero's out injured. Um, my defense is still a total cluster. I I had to laugh a little bit when Aguero limped off. I mean, it was just so. I mean, like this season is all about Sanchez is just ruining lives this season. <laughs> it is absolutely like he's and it's, and it's on both. Like you have him and it doesn't work out until it works out so comprehensively that everyone who doesn't have him is totally screwed. And then, and then, and then he's completely out of the picture again. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're, and you're, and once again, you're back to being totally screwed if you have him. 
Yeah, he's it's, like the to, to continue season. on my fast food comparisons. He's a little bit like the Hamburglar in that way from McDonald's. So, so I on the last podcast, I made my transfers while the podcast was ongoing, and I have to admit I'm pretty happy with how it worked out. Uh, I picked up uh, five points for Seamus Coleman and nine from Jamie Vardy. Uh, so I got. Uh, so that's a total of fourteen to take a four point hit. So you grossed yeah. ten points. Grossed ten points. Yeah, perfectly reasonable and solidified my team long term. Now. I, you know, because I brought in Vardy at this at this price, it's actually because a couple people were on Twitter were like, "Well, you know, why are you bringing him in now? Like, it's kind of it's over." But I mean, until he stops scoring every game, it's not over. How is it over? It's there's there's an argument developing that Vardy is a player who can be traded out, and 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 we talked about this on earlier episodes of the podcast. You know, he does the fixtures do get worse for Leicester; they get significantly worse in the coming weeks. So you know, long term. But so, but my point is, I have like I've banked like no money on on Vardy. So it'll be very easy for me to turn Vardy into whomever. Yeah. Uh, you know, from here on out. I mean, maybe it probably could be a Gallo. And you know, in the end, I actually had, I discussed possibly bringing in a Gallo, and that might have been the right move. Yeah. Um, of all the things I said last week on the podcast, I regret my um, disdain of a Gallo the most because he had one of those weeks which you talked about it with. With Jamie Vardy or Harry Kane last Harry Kane last season against Chelsea or Jamie Vardy against Arsenal, where it was a game where you just decidedly realized it's the real deal. Yep, I I I feel the same way. We'll, we'll get into this a little more later in the episode because we're going to talk about the Watford. Yeah, yeah. So so you win our head to head by two points, and now you've closed the gap. It's uh, your six to my eight. Is that right? Yep. So pretty tight. Super tight. Speaking of tight, let's go to the Hail Cheaters Mini League, which you can still join. Go to alwayscheating.com and click that League tab. Where are we at with Hail Cheaters right now, Josh? It's actually getting pretty tight up at the top of the league, Brandon. (laughs) It is very tight. Actually, (laughs) I didn't even notice this uh, while we were uh, creating the running order today, but we have a three-way tie at the top of the table. How incredible is that? We do. Uh, I love Nabumbu and, and I think Colin, both of our voices crack while we got so excited. <laughs> They're like, "Oh my god!" Colin Bothwell and I love Nabumbu are uh, up in the top two. Are uh, are two of the top three, and then uh, three times Captain Hazard, game week one, uh, who we've talked about in earlier podcasts, uh, is now in first place as well, uh, knocked in an eighty point. 80-pointer this week. Yeah, that, that is a great week for three times Captain Desert game week one. That just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, just below is uh, Sushant Garg. I uh, hope I'm saying Garg correctly. And uh, that's uh, Pinky and De Bruyne, which is I, a pretty, pretty good name. I do like that name. Very clever. We notice uh, he, has, he has two teams in the top uh, – the top 17. Yeah. Lalonde Lo- 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 Del Rey is also a good team name, but I don't know how I feel about the two teams in the league Lo- situation. Lo- yeah. Let's not look past Lalana Del Rey. That is a fantastic team name. Yeah. Sushant yeah, like, Su- is like, all about diversification. He's trying to get most the most bang for his buck. Now, Sh- exactly. Sushant, we should remind you that um, nobody wins anything in this league. So <laughs> if it's all for bragging rights, good on you. You have some uh, pretty killer teams going right now. Yeah, go for it. I mean, it's, it's – yeah, it – you know, sometimes the the only one league per email address thing does seem a little antiquated. I will say anyway, right? I, I wanted to give a special shout out to Cosmala Eleven, uh, Richard Cosmala's team, who was the highest scorer in the Hell Cheaters League this week with ninety eight points. Can you believe this, Josh? He had 
Alderwild with 9, Moreno with 9, De Bruyne with 16, Ozil with 10, Barkley with 13, Lukaku captain for 12, Vardy 9, Igalo 12. It's it's a really good team. You know, it's the thing about that team too is it's a, it's a really high it's a you know, it's a great score. Everyone performed, but there's no one on that team that is a that is a crazy player to have. You know, it's not like it's um yeah, I guess you know, it's like De Bruyne is, so, is yeah. the only one there that costs over ten million. I mean, you look at that team, and like none of the like often when someone's the highest scorer in a in a you know for the week or whatever, they they took a crazy punt on somebody. You know, like they they have some player who you know someone who like scored a hat trick for Sunderland or something, or somebody who you know like 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 won Eldham a few weeks ago, right, right, um, or somebody that you know now this year it's all about the triple captain, right? You know, like the highest scorer is almost always someone who triple captained uh, Aguero or something like that. But just hey, just a, talk just talk good, to William C in second place. Yeah, that's in game uh, week one. In game week one worked out for him. All right, so uh, just a reminder, if you wanna, if you like the pod and you want to participate more, you can still join our mini league. Just go to alwayscheating.com and click that league tab, and we have an auto-join link there for you. Now let's get back to game week 14 and talk about the uh, football that we didn't actually get to talking about while I was griping for like a solid 20 minutes there at the start <laughs> of the pod. Um, so here we're going to pick out a couple key fixtures um, with some key fantasy assets, talk about how it went down, who to keep, um, who to drop. And we'll start with the uh, whopper of a game, Aston Villa versus Watford, um, which Villa had to struggle to even make it 2-3 in the end with a Jordan Ayew goal. Now, Josh, you were looking earlier at uh, the Villa stats, which are pretty damning fantasy-wise. Yeah, they they are pretty damning fantasy wise. I mean, it's it's what's interesting is how many years in a row this has happened for Villa. I mean, you know, famous famous club, uh, you know, have won the have won the Champions League, have have won the league. I know, obviously, they've won either in about thirty years. Yeah, they have the longest running stretch in the um, top flight of any team. Is that true? I thought Arsenal had the longest running stretch. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Uh, that's. I feel like that's something people throw around a little lightly, but nobody bothers to follow up on uh, check, checking the Wikipedia page. Yeah, we're going to find out about that on Twitter, I bet, about 10 minutes after this podcast goes up. Put it on me, at BSK Broiler. I don't mind. So it, it's a depressing situation for Aston Villa, I mean, outside of the fantasy world where they have this owner that wants to sell the club. And, and because of this, he basically refuses to inject any real talent into this team. I mean, they're, they're, a, you know, a, they're a club in a big town in, in England and, uh, you know, great history. And their signings, I mean, they, they, they made some creative signings this year, but these are signings of a team like they, they sign players like a team that is just getting promoted. You know, I mean, Jordan Ayew and Rudy Gastet, I mean, these are okay players, but these aren't these aren't the players that you you know, when I first started following the league, they were at least competitive, you know, back in the the Darren Bent years. Yeah, and like circa, you know, late late uh late aughts. Right, and your your dime store um your dime store Jack Wilshire with Jack Grealish. I mean, that guy <laughs> that guy, sure, he's a he's a fun character, um, but he's I, I don't see him flourishing into a real dynamite Premier League player. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a tough time for that for that club. So I actually have a player in this team. I have Micah Richards. So I was pretty excited because they they conceded early as they have constantly this year. I mean, you know, and when I saw that it was um, a Gallo, I just I just laughed. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it's just the guy is on such a. It's not even a run. It's just he's just good. Apparently, he's just he's just very well, good. Okay, so I kind of regret. Uh, what I said last week as we were saying, but you do look at 
like a large majority of the goals that Igalo scores or of Wat- that Watford scores, they're all against the run of play or just the most uh, slapstick goal mouth scrambles you can imagine. He's been so lucky this year, but at some point, if someone is constantly in a position where they can capitalize on that luck, then yep. I, I guess it says something about the, their quality. I mean, you, you know, Wilford Boney had a had a very Igalo style goal earlier today. Yeah, um, where um, Kevin De Bruyne had a shot that that ricocheted off the post and uh, basically fell right to a completely unmarked Wilford Boney who had just had to tap it in. Yeah. And I feel like that's happened with Igalo all year, where back passes keep falling to his feet and you know but there's there's something to be said for for being so aggressive and and being ready to to take your shot when it happens i mean we all know the league is riddled riddled with players who don't take advantage of those opportunities yeah and and speaking on behalf of all of the managers who completely annihilated their fantasy teams to get aguero in this week i tip my hat to you all you guys who stuck with the gallo Yep, I know, and, and who have an extra seven point five million or whatever. <laughs> All right, so um, but then Troy Deeney, uh, you have to think about him too. Three goals in the last three games for him. He started yeah. off really slow this season, but it looks like now he's come to collect, as predicted. Yeah. The I classic know. championship talismanic figure. So four, yeah, four goals and one assist in the last five games. Uh, six, two, eight, six, and eleven from Dini. I like Dini, and I, I like this Watford team. I, I, I'm not even mad. Whatever. I mean, I <laughs> I held in a Dini for so long, and he came good basically the week I finally got rid of him. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it's all it's all good. It's all good, Dini. Now the big concern for uh, Watford defenders is uh, Aurelio Gomez took a nasty blow to the head. I don't know if you saw the replay of this, but um, he. He got like a shin or something to the head, and he immediately signaled to the sideline that he needed to take a, be taken out. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen any injury reports on what his uh, prognosis is. He's got the like is his head the, is his head totally clean off at this yeah. point? He's got the yellow arrow, mm. so we we never really know what we're getting with the yellow arrow. <laughs> so how are you feeling about Michael Richards now? Yeah, uh, I mean he's a good he's a good bench defender, I suppose, for you in the long run. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I I would if I were wild carding anytime soon, I would I would I would not have him on my team. But he's all right. You know, it was a great goal. I don't know if you saw a replay of the goal. It was an excellent goal. It was a fantastic goal. Yeah, well taken header. Rudy Gestead would yeah. have been pl- completely proud of that one. And he's playing his ass off. So I'll give that to Michael Richards too. I mean, he's like the you know he's the captain of the team. He's running around, you know, trying to get everyone to play their best. The, the the team is bad, and he's one of the few bright spots in that team. So it's kind of fun to have him on my team. Yeah, it, the fixtures are not great for them going for. They're they actually get a little bit better um, around Christmas time. Yeah, uh, where they have um, Newcastle, West Ham, Norwich, Sunderland, Crystal Palace. So that's that, that, that you know those are decent fixtures. Yeah, I, uh, away to Southampton and home to Arsenal. The next two matches, I'm definitely not planning to to start them. I'm upgrading Aston Villa on the uh, dumpster fire scale. Uh, they've gone beyond uh, tire fire, um, beyond garbage fire, beyond dumpster fire, and now they're basically just a fart that you light. <laughs> that, to me, is how bad this team is. Are they? Uh, is there anybody you'd want in this Aston Villa team? Is there anybody that even intrigues you? I mean, they're, they're all so cheap. The most expensive player on the entire team is $5.7 million. Yeah, actually, there is one guy. Uh, I really like the way he plays, Carl's Gill. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays in the midfield. He's actually 4.7 um, with a 0% ownership. <laughs> but he is a really creative midfielder, and he looks to have some intent going forward. But uh, a, an expressive, creative player like that, it's, it's kind of a I can't a, believe it's, it's a 0%. A non- it's not even 0.1. I don't it's know if I've ever actually seen that before. Usually guys like that <laughs> find their way. I guess it's the Westwood effect. It's like, like not even not even Gil's family owns Gil. No, <laughs> no. I think I think out of deference to him, they're just pretending that the FPL game doesn't exist this season. <laughs> uh, it's a you know Jordan Ayew uh, looks okay sometimes. Um, yeah, he has one of the worst. He's got one of the worst pictures. I'm pulling him up right now. It's 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 poorly cropped and he looks like a pirate a little bit too. <laughs> Does he have a patch over? His head? Oh, I see that. He looks like he's he's wearing earrings, but that's actually like his earlobes sort of sort of. Oh, I guess he has, he has earlobes that look like pirate hoop earrings. <laughs> yeah, I think his brother Andre is is a little better looking than than he is. Yeah, and a better, a far better player, I think too. He does he does uh, pass the SpongeBob test though. Sorry, sorry, Klein. <laughs> All right, well, what about Watford? So um, Gomez is a concern, but what, their fixtures coming up, we, they're home to Norwich, away to Sunderland. Which yeah, they two, have two pretty uh, plush fixtures there. Yeah, and the, so the fixtures coming up after I, – this is a problem that I think I've had a little too much this year, which is that I'm always looking – like I'm trying to plan for six to eight weeks as opposed to three weeks. You yeah. know, if I, if, I start, if I see these things as in three-week windows, then bringing in players like Agallo makes more sense. But I'm like, well, I guess, you know, Vardy long-term is probably the better the better move. It's a um, little bit like – Which off- it may still be. Yeah, like, like how you approach uh, work in the office. You're sort of always trying to get yourself to inbox zero. Like as soon as I answer these emails, I'll right. be done and I can just sit in this chair and stare out the window for the rest of the day. <laughs> and that's how <laughs> just, you are just sometimes. chat the rest of the day. Yeah, right? And, and you look at your uh, FBL team like that at some points. Like as soon as I just get this guy into my defense, then I'll be set. And I won't have to make another transfer until 2016. Yeah, and uh, so the so the situation right now. And by the way, it's crazy to look at the next few fixtures and realize that once we get to game week twenty, we're actually in January. Yeah. Like I, I think I'm still in denial that that, that we're in the first week of December. <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of managers will be happy to see the season go once it, once it's all said and yeah, done. Yeah, I know I'm in that camp. Uh, yeah, after a short twenty four weeks left. <laughs> so, so they have they have two they have two really enticing fixtures at home to Norwich and away to Sunderland. And then they are. Um, then it's a really rough run for the next month or so. Really, they they're, they're, they play Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, Man City, Southampton. Uh, a little respite with Swansea and Newcastle, and then they play Chelsea, Spurs, um, and then Man United a couple weeks after that. So, um, but their run in is actually pretty good. Uh, they have they have Norwich, Aston Villa, and Sunderland in three of the last four fixtures. So. If you're if you're starting to plan for um, for game weeks uh, thirty five to thirty eight, uh, keep your eye out for some Watford players. I'd be interested to see the game plan though of somebody who would bring in a Gallo for game week fifteen against Norwich and run him out for two games and then sell him. It's it's or or Dini even. Uh, I mean Dini's kind of got the hot hand as well. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of too short a span of time to bring in cheapo players like that because. Like you've said many times on the pod, what do you do with them at that point? It's hard to get them out of the team. Yeah, and uh, which is typically the case. I mean, with a player like Agallo, clearly he and Jimmy Vardy are never going to go a game without scoring again. 
Um, and so, <laughs> I mean, they may score every game the rest of the season. It's we we can't discount that possibility. Yes, the law of averages would say obviously Vardy is not going to go twenty games in a <laughs> row, but why not? It's that goal against Man U was absolutely beautiful. Fuchs, man, that uh, pass was was out of control. I was, he had no I, right yeah. to play that pass. That was beautiful. I was I was actually at the gym when I watched that, and I actually pumped my fist at the gym. I don't think uh, David. I, so De- I don't think David De Gea could even. He didn't even realize what was going on. Like uh, one second, he had all this space between him and the Leicester offense, and then suddenly he's set upon by Jamie Vardy. Yeah, it was he, Vardy. Actually, I mean, De Gea squared up pretty well for Vardy too. Um, yeah, and it was, I feel it was like a really he, nice finish from Vardy. I mean, he had to kind of. You've, you've, we've definitely seen players miss in that situation. And yeah, he Vardy kind of clearly knows high into the left. Yeah. He, he knows that a majority of the battle is just hit the target, hit the target, a, hit the target. He's a great – because he kind of has – It's he's a little bit like Theo Walcott, actually. He's uh-huh. got – you know, Walcott has that – I mean, I think he's actually a little more aggressive than Walcott, which makes him arguably a better player at least this season. Yeah. Uh, but he seems to have the same the, the same speed that Walcott has. And Walcott is also a great finisher. And so, you know, Walcott is – you know, he's like he's he's got great speed and he's a great finisher, and so that's that's the whole thing with Walcott is if you have a team that can take advantage of that, um, or or a team that has you know defenders that can that can get beat on the flanks, uh, then Walcott can torch you for three or four goals. We saw that in uh, you know the last game week of the season last year. Right, right, right. Uh, and it seems like Vardy's the same way, where he just knows how to get around a defense, and yeah. uh, and then once he gets around them, uh, he's just so clinical when it comes to uh, you know finishing. I'm very curious to see, and I guess you won't see a huge percentage of managers totally bail on Vardy when he finally blinks, because I'm sure there are a lot of ghost teams that have Vardy at this point. Um, but I'm wondering like, if people are just going to instantly jump ship when he blinks. Probably, because his ownership is so high. But and- well, I guess well, the point I was going to make there was... Even if he does blank and the streak will not continue, he will score more goals this season. And he's a better bet than uh, Jordan Ayew at this point. Okay, so let's look at – I know we're getting off track here a little bit, but just, just to finish this this thought. So let's look at Vardy. We've got – can you pull him up in your – you got him there? I got him right here. I'm looking at his uh, toothy grin, <laughs> his baked bean teeth. So you look at <laughs> – uh, so if you look at his fixtures, uh, Swansea away, uh, possible captain option there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, that, that defense is garbage. Uh, they are. They are garbage. Uh, Chelsea at home. I would also think that's a pretty, I know I, would, I wouldn't captain him there, but I would, I would definitely, uh, I would, I would keep him for that fixture. I mean, there's no reason to be scared of, of Chelsea at this point. No. Uh, Everton away. Uh, Everton just shipped three to Bournemouth, so yep, uh, they're, fuck they're them. shutting down. <laughs> uh, Liverpool away, not a great fixture, um, but you well, no, they you they just, are they they are a good fixture. And here's my theory: um, the way Jamie Vardy plays, whose system would he benefit most? He 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 would fit so well into a Gagan press style. Mm-hmm. He will show up and be in the shop window for Jurgen Klopp. He will be the um, uh, who, who's the who's, who's the who's the Burnley striker they brought in? Danny oh, Ings. Yeah, he can replace the. Hey, um, you know, Ings looked good before he was injured. Yeah, I don't want to slag off Danny Ings at all, but yeah, you know, he's he, like twenty-one that, too. He's like eight years younger than Vardy. 
Are you serious? He looks yeah, like Ings, he's about 40 years older than me. Ings is crazy young, way younger than he looks. Well, anyway, clearly I have no idea what I'm talking about. Moving on, after Liverpool, Vardy's going to uh, be at home to Man City. Which, which is not a great fixture, but then the next fixture is home to Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. So you're, you can't drop him for Man City because you want to play him at home to Bournemouth. Yeah. Uh, and then Spurs away, like whatever. Spurs, they, they often ship stupid goals. Uh, Aston Villa, Stoke, Liverpool at home, you know, I mean, he might be on Liverpool by then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> per your theory. And then I guess you've got Man City and Arsenal away in game weeks 25 and 26. It's a very spotty, like you can see the holes where he can get points, but I can see how this fixture lineup is is kind of intimidating for Vardy owners. But I could see myself not actually getting rid of Vardy until game week 25. The options, I think there's a there's a good chance that I'll have him for the next nine game weeks. Yeah. I mean, the, the options are, if right that, now, that, if you can squeeze in Kane and Lukaku to replace him. But um, yeah. as, as we've talked about Watford, so Dini and Agallo, their fixtures become a nightmare after Much worse. Yeah. And I, I still, I mean, despite the fact that I think we're both sold on Agallo at this point, or at least sold on the idea that Watford has a knack for scoring goals. Yes. You know, if, you know uh, I do think that that's a team that I could definitely see going cold at, you know, various times this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we saw them, you know, they, we saw them when they played Arsenal, right? I mean, they really got outclassed in that match. Yeah. But uh, who, who are your other forward options? You've got uh, Harry Kane. I mean, Pele may come into play at some point yeah. again this season, you have to assume. Yeah. Olivier Giroud, people sort of are poking him with a stick right now. The problem, too, is that there are a lot of managers who bought Vardy early on. So they have him for 6, 6.1, 6.2. So if you, let's say that you want to be, like, you, the problem is he's, he's hard to bring back in. You know, if you bought him at 6, if you bought him at 6 million, he's at 7.5 million now. Yeah. You, know, you can, you can sell, the sell-on value for him is 6.7 million. So you're going to lose 8 million, you know, 8 million uh, immediately. And... You know, is it worth losing 0.8 million? Just did I say 8 million? Or point, I meant 0.8 million, of course. Uh, you lose 0.8 million immediately, and then it's not worth it to turn that 0.8 million into Pele, you know? Or, um, I mean, you're kind of stuck with Vardy, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's actually Fine. easier for me because I got him at, at like, <laughs> I got Yeah, him you'll get value for value if you sell him. Yeah, so it'll be easy for me. To, I could bring him out and bring him back in at various times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want to do that either. There's, there's, I don't know. I mean, it seems like there's, there's always a problem. There's always a, <laughs> like a, there's always a, you know, a dam bursting somewhere else that has to be solved. I mean, yeah. getting rid of Jamie Vardy is not on my radar at all right yeah, now. Right. Okay, so that's our succinct analysis of, of the <laughs> lingering Jamie Vardy question. Sure we'll, of, of, yeah, of, of Aston Villa Watford. I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point. Okay, so the next picture we're going to talk about is Bournemouth v. Everton, the 3-3 uh, late drama. Where do you stand on the argument that Bournemouth only scores that goal because Everton's fans stormed the field? Uh, no, Bournemouth scored that goal because Tom Cleverly is a wuss <laughs> or wimp. Or whatever word you want to use, yeah, uh, it was pathetic. The he was he wasn't up, he wasn't up for the challenge. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, uh, that that Bournemouth wouldn't even be in that game if McCarthy hadn't uh, had to get subbed out. Yeah, and and Bournemouth scored that goal right off of the kickoff that would have have would have had to have happened regardless. I don't think that that Barkley goal is the last kick of the game, and. Uh, 
all that forward momentum off the kickoff, the referee playing at home for Bournemouth is going to let them see how that play unfolds. They score that goal, whether those Everton fans charge the field or not, I think. Yeah, it was it was a wild goal. You know, I I worked it out later. I actually think it cost me two bonus points um, because I think I would have had two for Coleman and one for Delafeo. Uh, if if that hadn't happened, so yeah, still kicking myself a little bit of Delafeu. I mean, I know you got to play the long game a little bit. I was, uh, you know, he had, a, he had a great game in the Cup of Cups today. I know he looks good. He looks so good. So I, I do think the he's got the it's Tadic syndrome. Like you know, a huge a huge <laughs> game is coming for him. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's uh, just uh, right now all the points are getting hoovered by uh, by uh, Ross Barkley, but you know. That's all right. Yeah, and not not a big price difference there. I mean, imagine the points you could be swimming in right now. Just think about it for a moment. I mean, think about it. <laughs> and then and don't, then don't and think then, about it. Yeah, and then compose yourself and, and move on. <laughs> but you, you must, can make an argument for having two Everton midfielders for sure. I mean, there we talk about this every every week, but their unreal um, lineup of fixtures keeps rolling. Where they're home to Crystal Palace, away to Norwich, home to Leicester, away to Newcastle, then they're. Two um, uh, home games to finish up that New Year's run, Stoke and Spurs. This game has to stink for them because, you know, so Everton, if Everton had won this match, they'd be at 23 points, you know, only six off the top of the table, uh, four points off one of the Champions League spots. And as we've talked about already, this is a year when a club that's not Chelsea is going to get that fourth Champions League spot. And they have this amazing run of fixture. You just can't lose this game. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like Arsenal tying against Norwich. If you have any designs on the top of the table, you can't be dropping points. I mean, yeah. you're, if City is dropping points to Norwich, you have to be taking them. Otherwise, City is just going to steamroll you in the long run. This is just, I mean, the Arsenal thing was just a, another example of why uh, they can't win a title as long as Wenger's there because he just won't. Uh, he you know he only he only has two players at every position and and he shoots all of his players with some sort of magical brittle bone <laughs> ray gun. Yeah. I mean I'm an Arsenal supporter, but I'm just that was such a frustrating game. So I I might be a little extreme here. I mean Arsenal could actually still win the league this year, but it's just it is so frustrating that Olivier Giroud is clearly not at his best in this game, and because Arsenal refused to invest in any forwards this year, they had to bring on Joel Campbell, who's mediocre at best. I mean, yeah. Joel, Camp- Joel Campbell should be playing for Norwich, like him, himself. You know, he, he should be on a, a, a mediocre to, to to lower level Premier League team. I mean, this is the season that Joel Campbell has been waiting for, for however long he's been languishing on that uh, first team bench at Arsenal. Yeah. And he's got his chance. He scored his goal. He, he could basically pack up and go back to Costa Rica, a happy man at this point. <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, it was a frustrating loss for for Everton, but it doesn't really or from draw. a fantasy a draw, I should say. It felt like a loss. Yeah. Uh, from a fantasy point of view, it doesn't really diminish their value. No, um, you have to be loving Seamus Coleman right now. I do. Um, he he's, he actually could have had another assist uh, in the match. Yeah. Um, a goal that Lukaku just missed, uh, scoring a second. And what now? Leighton Baines got onto the field today with the cup of cups. Yep, so I'm feeling pretty good about this Everton team in general. So I'm rolling three deep right now with them. Uh, you have only one Everton player, right? I just have Lukaku. But I guess to to close the circle on this fixture, Bournemouth assets still stay stay away, even though uh, you had a lot of guys like Stanislas, who um, fun player to watch. But, I mean, week, at, week on week, is he going to get you points? 
Nowhere. I don't think so, but he's he's really cheap. So if you if you need a cheap player, he's one to keep an eye out for. This is ridiculous. I want to bring in four point two million for a, a midfielder who gets you two goals. Um, I know it's, it's incredible. What a name, too, Junior Stanislaus. It's, he sounds like a. I mean, I don't want to step on your toes, Jar, J- George R. Russell Martin, but he does sound like a uh, Game of Thrones character, doesn't he? He does. All right, so uh, Man City v. Southampton was the third game from Game Week 14 we want to highlight uh, for a few reasons, uh, uh, many of which I've already mentioned. Uh, the De Bruyne double cross I have here in my notes. Uh, and he also scored two goals to get two goals today. So, um, of course, that probably means he's going to blank in Game Week 15. <laughs> he he tells himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the big news is that David Silva is back in the equation. Yeah, and uh, he played in the Capital One Cup game today. Didn't really do much. Uh, Silva. The thing about Silva is he could be a differential, but his, Silva's real value is as a week in, week out. You know, he's very consistent. I mean, I don't know that you want to bring in Silva if you are trying to make up a lot of ground. Because yeah, right. Like he's huge hauls kind of, from him aren't, aren't aren't that common. Yeah, he's kind of a differential, but not because he's a long he's a long game player. He plays plays a long con, Silva does. So City's fixtures coming up. They've got they're away to Stoke, home to Swansea, then they're away to Arsenal, Sunderland, Leicester, Watford. So their fixtures look great. My big concern is when Joe Hart is going to get back because um, I don't have time with my defense. My defense is in tatters. And the longer Joe Hart is out, the longer I'm getting these um, crusty one goal uh, let in <laughs> returns from Wayne Hennessy. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting. Are you a little worried about the head-to-head matchup now, Brandon? Over the no. next couple of weeks? No. no, you're feeling good. No, no I'm good. feeling great. Wow. Okay. Good. Good. Well, listen, Josh. I might I might look a little bit like a fish out of water right now, but I have a plan. <laughs> I have a okay. plan. All right. Excellent. Uh, or not, not excellent. Maybe maybe that's bad, <laughs> bad for me. So the the city Southampton fixture does, however, tie in with a question that somebody asked us on Twitter. At least, at least it's tangentially ties in, uh, which is uh, this is FPL Junior who asks uh, who to place Sanchez with, excluding Ozil and KDB, uh, and then he suggests Coutinho, Balassi, others. Um, so this match is sort of interesting because. Um, one of the top options to replace Sanchez is KDB, if you don't have him already. Uh, what are some options that you are considering as somebody who also owns Alexis Sanchez? Well, and, and who has Ozil already, so you can't make the Sanchez to Ozil move. Yeah, as as we hinted at talking about Everton, Ross Barkley is obviously um, a huge option there, and he is on molten fire right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last two two weeks for Barkley, he's got thirteen and nineteen points. It's just insane. Yeah, um, that that probably won't hold. Um, but given their fixtures, he that's an easy bet to make. Uh, I have Andre Ayew in my midfield, and he's just um, the opposite of steady. But he is always a, a potent threat when that Swansea team can actually get forward. Right. And and home to Leicester, you can't get rid of Ayo this week, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Coutinho is a tough call because uh, of his injury problems. But um, as we know from the tail end of last season and when he was actually performing on the field this season, he's a great player. And he could be – it could be his time. 
He is uh, so apparently he's touch and go for tomorrow's Capital One Cup game. I think that Coutinho is a really interesting option, um, mostly because he seems like a really good fit for for the style. Yeah, uh, for the gag and press. I don't know if it's a gag and press issue or if it's just the. I don't understand gag and press to, to the degree necessary <laughs> to understand how well he fits into it, but it does yeah. seem like it's allowed him to flourish. And the Coutinho Firmino combination looks great. Um, I actually, I think they'll be okay with Sturridge too. I we've talked about this in an earlier podcast, so we don't need to rehash too much. But it's it's unclear how Benteke fits into that kind of lineup. It yeah. almost seems like a like an almost strikerless formation is yeah. is what's working best for them. Um, but I think that uh, so Coutinho, if he's touching go for tomorrow, he's definitely fit for this weekend. And the next few fixtures are away to Newcastle, home to West Brom, away to Watford. Uh, he has before he is injury, he had three straight double figure point hauls, uh, picked up four goals, one assist, and nine bonus points, uh, which is massive. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, so. I'm looking at Coutinho myself. Um, yeah. I, I am not a fan of Balassi, and this is just totally a gut opinion. So take it for what it's worth. But he did this last season. He goes off on one game, and then you don't even see his face for a month. Uh, yeah, uh, and that Crystal Palace team is slightly problematic. I mean, I I dare say I totally called it with Johan Kabai. They scored five goals over the weekend, and he had nothing to do with any of them because they didn't have any real good dead ball situations. It's just a tough call with with that whole team because there are. I mean, they scored five goals in that game, and it's it's a weird. It's all these midfielders. You know, there's really no strikers in that team. I mean, Connor Wickham is. Uh, like like a piece of paper flow. He's like the, he's like that paper like the bag from um, American Beauty. Yeah, the most beautiful you know? thing I've ever he's seen. Just, he's just floating in the wind in the corner. Um, <laughs> All right, here, he actually here. racked up two assists in, insanely in uh, in that uh, match because they were probably using him as a backboard, uh, a la, like like they were playing a game of horse in the driveway. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't watch uh, much of that game. So I, I, I didn't either. Sure uh, how involved through, it was, but. Through 14 weeks, though, he has uh, no goals. Yeah. And those two assists were the first two assists he had all season. So, Well, FPL Jr., here's my punt for you. Uh, here's my hot take, I guess I should say. It's Christian Eriksen at $8.4 million. Get a load of the Spurs uh, fixture list coming up. West Brom, Newcastle, Southampton, Norwich, Watford, Everton, Leicester, Sunderland, Crystal Palace, Norwich, Watford. And then only when you get to February 13th do they run up against Manchester City. So that is a pretty epic run, and that uh, Spurs team is in great form. And this is around that time in the season where Eriksen usually starts to flourish. Yeah, the player that I'm looking very seriously at, and this, this may um, you may fall over in your chair when I say this. Good thing I'm uh, sitting Indian style on the floor. <laughs> is Eden Hazard. Uh, yeah, it's, I've seen rumblings about this on the Transfer Hub Facebook page. Um, I, he pl- it, he's playing. I get so, it. It's crazy I, talk, yeah. though. I, I know that he is. He will not be playing as a striker every game week. Uh, had the best shot on goal in in their fixture uh, in the in the draw with Tottenham. Um, but I, it's just it's such a we have, I, we have said earlier this season that you know, fixtures of reform don't matter. But I it just I feel very nervous about not having a Chelsea player. During a four-week run, that is a that is Bournemouth at home, Leicester away, Sunderland at home, Watford at home. 
Now that is, I mean, that's an incredibly great run of fixtures. And Mourinho is not a player that this season's been a little weird, but in general, like once once they start rolling, I don't think we'll see a lot of rotation with this team. I don't think that Hazard's going to be in the bench anytime soon. And so, if you don't want to bring in Hazard, you could look at a player like Willian, uh, who is. Sort of an interesting option, but just not one that I think is a consistent enough fantasy asset to actually bring in. Uh, Fabregas looks like garbage. Pedro actually looked pretty good. He did, uh, oh, even so, though he's still skying balls about uh, 20 feet over the crossbar. Yeah. So if uh, Hazard is actually the player that I'm really – so Hazard and Coutinho are the two players that I'm looking at. You know, maybe I'm just being devil's advocate, but is it crazy that everyone is still oh, – we've been having this ongoing Chelsea-Hazard uh, discussion – for the first 14 weeks of the season. And yeah. they have proven nothing. They have done nothing. But so. just, but, but, we, but I mean, through, but we have three full seasons of evidence before this season. FPL that, manager that, 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 after FPL manager has tried to rationalize this and bring logic into it this entire season. And <laughs> what, is, what has happened? What has played out? It's just, I mean, they, they're on a bad streak, but it's a talented team. I, I just, I refuse to believe that this team will not be. In the top eight by the end of the season. Yeah, you know, I I expect that you're probably right in the long run. I'm 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 just saying this now so I can be proven right. Uh, though <laughs> if, I though yeah, I will if, probably be proven wrong. If I, will I say bring it now in, so I can be proven right. I will also say if I bring in Hazard, I may even captain him this week, uh, which would be a huge uh, huge punt. But uh, I I don't know. I just go for it. I, I like the way he do I, it, I, do it now. Do it now on the pod. <laughs> I thought he, no, 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 no. I'm not ready to make the move yet because Coutinho's fixtures are almost as good, and he's he's in better form, assuming that he's he's recovered from the injury. Um, so so we'll see. I'm just you know, Bournemouth Bournemouth is a terrible defense. If if um, Sanchez had not gone down, it would be very tempting to bring in um, as a one week punt even uh, Diego Costa for this fixture. But now we don't even know if Costa is going to start. I actually think he's going to start and come out like a house on fire next the next game week. Um, oh, Mourinho is going to work some sort of magic and turn the bib throwing incident in, into an advantage. I think so. Although, I mean, Costa, you can't have Costa at this point, can you? No, <laughs> yeah, no, no. that's no, even more can't. insane than Hazard. <laughs> I mean, Hazard. Okay, I can. I stress. I can see your rationale there, but Costa, no. Like Remy is healthy, and I see no reason why he doesn't start against Bournemouth. I would love to bring in a Chelsea defender. That's for sure. Uh, Kurt Zuma, five point four million, uh, started nearly every game week. This so he had like didn't start the first two weeks. He didn't start, and then he started. Uh, looks like twelve of the last thirteen game weeks, or eleven of the twelve, I guess. Yeah, uh, has picked up um, clean sheets in the last two fixtures, and it's very possible that Chelsea could pick up clean sheets in three of the next four fixtures. I mean, I know that the defense has been sort of historically bad for, for Chelsea by, by Chelsea standards um, going into the season, but two clean sheets in a row, you know? So it's a, it seems like the defense at least is back on track. If the, you know, the attack isn't quite there yet, but they're, right. you know, it seems like the spine of that team is, is right. selling into place a little bit. All right. More transfer conundrums uh, coming to us on Twitter through our handle at hail cheaters. El Magico tweets at us, Cocklin out. Is it time to ship Bellerin out for a Spurs or Liverpool defender? Will Ozil's form continue with no Alexis? So there's some hard Arsenal questions being asked here. Uh, Bellerin, who was one of our favorite defenders last season, he kind of had a terrible game against Norwich. And um, now, as El Magico points out, they have no line of defense with Coquelin gone. I don't see Flamini being a, a real brick wall in front of them. 
Should we get rid? Well, I think you, I think you could, um, and I think that the Chelsea defense would be the would be the the, the easiest move to make. Um, I mean, Bellerin is actually a little more expensive than Zuma, and uh, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm feeling very good about this Chelsea defense. Uh, seems like, it seems like a good investment to me. I would put the finer point on Spurs, as I was mentioning with Ericsson, their great um, upcoming list of fixtures, and you can get a heavy hitter defender for the same price tag as Kurt Zuma. Toby Alderwald is still rising in value. Yeah. He's, he is on 5.5 form points right now, and you can buy him for 5.5. Yeah, and, I, I, and this, is all, this is all to say, by the way, that I, I don't think there's any real urgency to get rid of Hector Bellerin. Uh, their next fixture is at home to Sunderland, and the fixture for that is away to Aston Villa. So um, there, those, those, could, those are probably both... I'd be surprised if he didn't have clean sheets and possibly even one assist in those two fixtures. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm less worried about the Arsenal defense because even though Koscielny goes out and Conklin is out, Koscielny gets replaced by, uh, what's his name, uh, Paulista Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel. Yeah. And he's Gabriel's, good. Gabriel's a good player. Yes, yeah, he's good. He's fine. I think that back line will be fine. You got uh, Monreal, Bellerin, Mertesacker. Even Callum Chambers is okay. I mean, I know he hasn't really played much this season, but he's he's serviceable. Yeah, and you have one of the best goalkeepers in the league with Peter Cech. Um, I think you're right to not panic, but if you really feel like it, it's imperative to to get rid, yeah, Chelsea, Spurs, or Liverpool, they're all fine. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like six of one, half a half dozen of the other, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I guess Alder World is maybe the like you said, uh, possibly the one to look at because. Uh, He's, you know, uh, yeah, he, I think he's probably the one that I would look at if I were bringing in a, a, a five million defender right now. Yeah, Alderweire, Alder, or Kurzuma. Yeah, um, but the second part of Al Magico's question: Will Ozil's form continue with no Alexis? So the discussion that was had uh, earlier in the season was how Alexis seems to play better with Theo Walcott. Mm-hmm. Some people have posited online that Ozil has a good connection with Olivier Giroud. So maybe we can see goals coming there. You you mentioned um, to me, I think on Twitter or somewhere, maybe we're, I, we were uh, texting or something, uh, that you felt like once uh, once Alexis was out, you knew you weren't going to get any, any more points from Ozil. Yeah, it was similar to um, that Man City-Liverpool game when Liverpool was running riot and then City started to charge back. But then when Aguero came off in the 60-odd minute, all the life came off the field with him yeah and i felt the same way when alexis came out the field ozil he just needs players to play off of i'm not the first person to point this out but he's in this such a rich vein of form and particularly with this sunderland fixture coming up why would you give up faith at least this week yeah maybe see how maybe wait and see how he does you have to be thinking about captain and ozil this week right I mean, it has to at least be on the table. I know that Lukaku at home to Crystal Palace is a really strong, uh, you know, option. But I think, uh, yeah, I think. Um, I guess I actually this is this is the first week in a while where I feel like a Everton um, Everton captain is off the table for me. Really, at home to Crystal Palace. I mean, that that team is not that defensively solid. Yeah, but much much is made of Crystal Palace's away form and how they're uh, set up away from home is much better suited, and that's where you see them actually take teams apart. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we saw it against Watford, but yeah. I mean, this is an Everton team that that they're. I mean, the, the defense is still a little shaky, maybe, but the offense looks 
pretty solid right now. Well, we'll get into this a little more when we get to the optimizer, but I see that being a cagey affair. So, I mean, just to just to get back to the Ozil with no Alexis question, I feel like it's a wait and see. If you have a bigger plan in your midfield, I don't think it's crazy to drop Ozil at this point. I mean, the, um, the Arsenal team could be in trouble with all these injuries. Yeah, and and I I'm definitely thinking about bringing an Ozil myself. I don't have him right now, and and the Alexis to Ozil move would be the simplest move. Um, I still feel like I'm kind of I, I'm I'm starting to be a little more concerned about where I am points wise, and and I, I feel like I'm, I'm entering points chase not not even points chasing mode a little bit, but just do you think I'm you're re- reverting to a template? Well, I mean, Ozil is is a pretty template player at this point, and he's going to become even more of one as with with Alexis gone. Right? I mean, he's he's owned by thirty six percent of the league already. Yeah. I mean, I think any anytime you're above thirty, you're you're a template player. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, you know, like nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's it's, it's as as he should be. Yeah. Um. You know, double figure returns in uh, what is it? Seven, six or four of the last seven game weeks. His assist streak was actually broken, though he was replaced by a goal. So um, worked out okay. It did work out all right. I guess that bleeds into the last question we have here from Twitter from Eric uh, Eric Grand Rapidian, and uh, I believe this is our friend Eric who is in our private league. So uh, shout out to to Eric and Grand Rapids, eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> Eric says, are there any template players at risk of rotation during the busy holiday schedule? Speaking of planning ahead, or is it too early for that question? What do you think? Is it too early to start thinking about rotation happening around the busy holiday fixture list? Uh, it probably is, uh, just because so much can still happen until then. I mean, you know, it's just it's hard to know. I mean, I guess... There might be some more concern with with City uh, more than any other team because they're they you know they run pretty deep and um, you can't you could see a player like Aguero maybe sitting out one or two of those fixtures or at least coming off the bench. Uh, we were really worried about this last year and then it really didn't happen. Like I, I felt like I almost never had a game week uh, during the Christmas fixture list where yeah. all of my starters didn't play. Part of that was I, I went I went three strong with Chelsea almost the whole season and they didn't take a game week off. Yeah, any of the, any of the top players. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I I haven't really actually started thinking about it, but I guess right now because we're all dealing with these little niggly injury little niggly injuries that are happening to a lot of the guys on our squad. I'm more concerned about getting a healthy squad going into that holiday period than I am. Yeah, anticipating the rotation. It would be great. See, this it is a little. I'm a little frustrated because this week would have. If the Sanchez injury hadn't happened, I I might have used this week to. Um, to finally get rid of Ashley Westwood, who is just just offering me no value at all as my fifth midfielder. He is having and a hell of a time on your bench, though. He's loving every second of it. <laughs> There's just really no – there hasn't been a time when I've had the luxury of, of not making a move. They're not making kind of an essential move elsewhere. Um, and even just bring – I mean, there you know there aren't a ton of options in that for – I guess Dan, Dan Gosling and Bournemouth is a, is a possible player. Um but you know, I, I just uh, so you want to have players who actually start. That's the only thing. You know, like, yeah. More more than worrying about who's going to be subbed because you just never know. Um, you never know who's going to get a week off, right? It's they they never reveal the stuff beforehand. Right. Um, so you just have to worry about having enough depth to um, to weather the storm. Yeah. All right. So keep the questions coming to us at Hell Cheaters, and there's also an email form you can fill out at our website at alwayscheating.com. All right, Josh. So. Uh, 
the only thing left to do is to optimize for game week 15. So will you join me, please, as we step into the always cheating optimizer? Let's do it. Let's step right in. Please play that really awesome sound effect that we play every time we get into the always cheating optimizer. The optimizer. <laughs> All right, so let's let's look at the upcoming fixtures, and uh, we're going to try a little competition here, uh, Josh, aren't we? We're, I'm going to pick out a clean sheet, a guaranteed clean sheet. You're going to pick out a guaranteed clean sheet, and, and we're also going to we're also going to pick a a sub eight million goal scorer. Yes, we are, and then we're going to we we're going to meet back here next week, and we're going to see who did. <laughs> better <laughs> but before we before we get to our picks let's just run down the fixture list for game week 15 and uh say our piece so where do we okay. start yeah and when i get to my 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 goal scorer and my clean sheet i'm going to uh i'm going to uh tell you oh okay <laughs> i'm going to clear my throat and that means uh that means there might be something interesting about to happen <laughs> all right so the uh, early morning fixture is stoke man city now, kind of a weird early morning fixture, right? It's it is, yeah. I guess I'm only going to have one player in this game. It looks like Aguero is fit. He's um, uh, he's come out on Twitter and said that he's fit. So that's about that's as, as good as you're going to get. Right? He was he was very convincing on Twitter. I will say that too. Yeah. So I have another another keeper dilemma that I'll have to solve here. I have um, you know, I, I Man City is just. It's always a tough fixture. I mean, it's, temp- it's tempting to have Jack Butlin because you know that he'll have a lot of saves in this game. Yeah, I think there's at least a chance that um, Lester could keep a clean sheet. Whether I want to start Schmeichel or um, or Butland is something I'm going to debate probably up until the, the last minute. I, I might end up just going with Butland because I think there's a decent chance that uh, that he'll let in a goal but have six six or more saves and pick up four points, and that's probably better than I'm going to get. And wasn't it last season? Um, maybe it was Stoke at Man City where they got a one nil. Um, victory over City, the Duke yeah. uh, goal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we could see a repeat of that performance. I mean, I sincerely doubt it. I think this could end up being a draw, though. Uh, I actually, I, I don't know. I think um, so. My my prediction is uh, is two two Man City Stoke. Wow, I, interesting. Uh, I just it feels like th- this this Stoke team is weird. You know, they 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 kind of show up and then they and then they like. They kind of like they seem to play to the level of their competition a little bit this year, and they pulled out a few surprising wins already. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't see them winning this game, but I, I do. See, I, I think they could pick up a point. Um, I don't know. I, it's, I mean, it's kind of like a. I'm not basing it on a bunch of fact or anything, but I think. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try and not. I'm gonna try and not overthink this fixture, and I'm gonna go for a three-one City victory. I am not gonna predict a clean sheet for City here. Are you? Would you are you thinking about Captain Aguero for this game? Ah, uh, God, that is a tough question. That is that is part of what's fun about the urgency to get Aguero back in is he's always such a great captain option to have. Yeah. Uh, God, but just if you captained him, very first game week fixture, it's a, it's a three-day game week. And <laughs> if, you, if you captain him and he does nothing and goes off like in the 58th minute. It'll be gutting. And, it and you, be gutting. Yeah, you've got a one-pointer, and then you have to wait until Monday afternoon to watch the Everton-Crystal Palace game where like half the league is going to be captain in Lukaku. <laughs> that would just be a brutal two-day stretch. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be a tough one. I'll be at least happy to have Aguero on the field anyway. Yeah, let's let's like say this. that. Yeah. All right, so next fixture, it's Arsenal hosting Sunderland. Uh, speaking of captaincy options, uh, as you were saying, Mesut Ozil 
is probably going to be the other 50% that's not Lukaku. Yeah, I, I think so. There are actually there are a lot of good captaincy options this week. I mean, I think uh, Coutinho is a pretty interesting caption, captaincy option, too, uh, way to Newcastle. And uh, yeah, so this game is this, so this one's kind of a hard one to predict. Uh, sorry, did I? Step no, in? no. I basically am probably going to say the exact same thing. And Sunderland, they they have been putting the performances together the last few weeks, and it seems like Allardyce's uh, game plan, if you could call it that, is probably starting to come together. It's hard to think that Arsenal. I mean, I, I do think they'll. I would expect them to win this match, but just given how threadbare that team is right now. It looks like they won't have Cazorla or, or Alexis for this for this fixture. Uh, it looks like they're both out for at least a couple weeks. What happened to Cazorla? Uh, oh, he's got a, like a leg issue or something. I think he might be actually be out indefinitely. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. So in some ways that could help Ozil because there will I, I, I would still expect Arsenal to score in this match, and you would think that anything they did in this game would probably run through Cazorla, or through Ozil, excuse me. It makes for, I would like to see Aaron Ramsey do something here as an Arsenal fan. Uh, this seems like a great chance for him to play through the center again. Um, I don't know, I just, uh, you know, it would be, it'd be nice if he did something, but um, I don't know, I think it's going to be a hard, a hard match for Arsenal. I agree, I agree, and that does make me hesitate putting the armband on Ozil and I also go back to the the tweet we had gotten from El Magico where Ozil's outlets are completely diminished with all these injuries, and he's not the prolific goal scorer. He's the prolific assist man. Right, right. So and, I, I guess, yeah. I guess in, in, that, in that sense, it's all going to come down to which Olivier Giroud shows up to this game. Yeah, that's true. So I, I don't think Ozil's a bad captaincy here. I, I just think there might be better options. Yeah. Uh, what about a clean sheet? Sunderland is. Are they going to put one past Arsenal? That's a good question. I. This is not my clean sheet of the week. Okay, I'll say that much. Maybe Nor- I, I. I could see I, two zero or two one seems like the most likely scoreline. All right. Up next, Man United hosts West Ham. Man United. <laughs> Man United. Are you, just, are you just laughing at how not fun Man United are to watch? Perhaps I am. I mean, they're not even fun to talk about. Like, the only person that I ever (laughs) think to mention is Chris Smalling when I look at United. And I can't even think of an interesting thing about Chris Smalling other than that stupid little patch of hair he has on his chin. Why doesn't he just (laughs) shave that? This this Man United team is is they're 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 one point off the top of the league, and they are. I, it's I, I just I, I I like actually used to like watching Man United play. I mean they were they were never my favorite team um, by any stretch, but yeah. they used to have a lot of fire. And I, I just I don't know what is going on with this team. I, I, maybe they need Rooney to go away. I don't know if that would change things at all. I, I don't know. It's they're not. <laughs> maybe they need Van Gaal to go away. I don't know. It's it's not fun. Not necessarily leave the team, but just go someplace else. Just the it's so hard for them to score one goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even one single goal is such a struggle for this team. I think this will be a pretty dull game. I mean, West Ham really lacks something without Pyatt. I think Lanzini yeah. is trying uh, to marshal things in the middle of the field. Yeah, but, but they just can't keep a clean sheet. Yeah, uh, but and Lanzini, it, he seems to lack experience. He seems a little overwhelmed by the occasion. Yeah. So I, I maybe a maybe a one nil win for United. I would be close to betting on a clean sheet, uh, and I think I'm going to reserve my judgment on the clean sheet until we get to the through the entire fixture list. But Man United might be my pick of the week. Okay, 
Um, so that brings us to Southampton, Aston Villa. So Pele is going to be back, and he's going to be playing against the uh, lit fart that is the Aston Villa team. Um, it's almost tempting to captain Virgil van Dijk in this game. Couldn't you just see him getting a goal and a clean sheet and three bonus points? Oh, without a doubt. There'll be a corner kick, and Brad Guzan will come flying out, uh, four limbs flailing, <laughs> and Van Dyke will just nod it past him, and it'll be yeah. beautiful. <laughs> it will be. I, I think Southampton wins this game like 3 uh, and And yet, like, I have – so I, I have some pretty deep investment in the Southampton team, and – I really, oh God, I really need Mane to to be the Sadio Mane that we all know and love. Yeah, what have you gotten out of him thus far? Just oh, almost, almost nothing. Uh, just one assist. He almost scored at the end of that Man City game, uh, which probably would have picked up two bonus points from that too. Um, but you know, whatever. It's you know, it, you just can't look backwards. You know, it's it hasn't worked out well so far. But I love this fixture for him. So let's just leave it at that. It's true. Mane has been a little lost. I mean, they they are a little lost offensively generally, Southampton. But Mane just seems to roam around and pop up in very unusual. Yeah, it was a weird. Places. Yeah, it was a weird game because they they didn't have Pele, and you really saw what that team was like without Pele. Yeah, uh, they just don't have the same um, sort of focal point, you know, in their offense. And and he's so tall. He's like Giroud, you know, he's so tall that he can you know he can head down all those balls, and then he can find you know Tadic and Mane on the on the flanks. Absolutely. All right, so um, I agree with you. Uh, something something to the effect of three zero here. Swansea, Leicester. Um, this might be my pick for a sub 8.0 goal of the week. Uh, uh, and it's wishful thinking for Andre Ayew. I thought this was going to be your Aquafina pure watch game of the week. Oh, no. This is not a pure watch for me. Um, well, I mean, I guess it is kind of a tantalizing fixture. But as far as purified water, just the general product of purified water sponsoring this week's pure watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to reserve that for the Everton Crystal Palace game, actually. Okay. Uh, so I think um, it seems like Swansea is overdue for a win. Leicester is overdue for a loss. Yeah. And, you know, they might be looking ahead, Leicester, because they have a lot of really tough matches coming up right after this one. So I think that this is in a, in a mini upset of sorts, although they are home. Uh, I think that Swansea will win this game 2-1. And I do think that, that we will get another goal from Jamie Vardy. And we'll see if we get another start from the game eater, Eder. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's made a difference one way or the other. No. I mean, Tim Gomes or uh, what's his name, Eder, it makes zero difference. They're both that, highly ineffective. Their attack looked awful against, uh, against Liverpool. Yeah. The only encouraging thing about Ayu is he just runs his ass off the entire game and he's waving his hands in front of the goal, pass to me, pass to me. I think he will get one. Yeah. Have we ever talked before about the, the stress that comes with watching a, a match? Like it's kind of like near the end of a game week when all you have is one defender on that team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Particularly when it's at least when you have Klein, like he's feeding some balls in there. Yeah. But for me, it's like the match. It, like I only, my, my, I only like perk up when there's like a corner kick. Yeah. Like okay, maybe I got my chance now. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, you're just like, like he got you know, Skrtel got a yellow card near the end there, and it was like, yeah. it was a good play. Like as a, as a as a as a football play, it was the right play. But um, I mean, he was kind of in that position because of Nathaniel Klein as well, who wasn't tracking back as he should have, and he left yeah. Skrtel out to dry. 
Yeah, I was. So I wasn't too mad about the yellow card because it was just one of those necessary plays, and it might have saved a goal. So it might have actually saved me, you know, four points. It's actually an interesting play between you and me head to head because on a corner kick, Skirtle goes up and Klein drops back to the center circle to prevent a counterattack. So I have no play during a corner kick. <laughs> it's the reverse. All right. So next fixture, we got Watford at home to Norwich City. This is the anti-pure watch of the week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, I could. Oh man, if I had a Gallo, I'd be really tempted to, to captain him this game week. Or or Troy D. either one. Uh, I think uh, I think it's an easy win for Watford. I'm going to predict two uh, nil. If Watford wins this game, they go to 22 points. I guess that's. I was thinking like maybe Watford could guarantee safety for themselves if they win this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and like eighteen more. Six. The, well, I mean, I will say twenty. If they have twenty-two points through the first fifteen game weeks, they probably only need about six more wins. Maybe only five more wins the rest of the season to stay up. Yeah, it would be stunning if Watford went down at this yeah. point. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I would. I would put this down to a to a two-one Watford win, or maybe a two-two draw. I'm actually. Okay. I'm actually going to go with that. I'm going to go with the two-two draw. How many goals from uh, Dan Mercy Wembekani do you predict? All four. Wow. <laughs> two own goals and two goals. Yeah, it'll be a very bittersweet uh, game for some <laughs> FPL manager out there. Uh, all right, so that brings us to uh, West Brom Spurs. Kind of an interesting match. Uh, this, is at, this is at West Brom. I, I could almost see this being a, another scoreless draw. I don't know. I, I I don't think West Brom defense like they were for maybe like a three week stretch at once this season are a guaranteed clean sheet. And Spurs offer too much going forward, and they're a team so much on a roll. There's no way Spurs don't win this game by a margin of at least two goals. I think. Wow. Okay. Well, then I I agree to disagree. Uh, this is uh, I, I think that I think this is like a one one draw or a nil nil draw. Okay. I, I just think it's gonna. I just think it's gonna be a tight fixture. I don't know. I I, st- I guess I still feel a little unconvinced by Spurs, and I, I, you'd think a thirteen game scoreless or a thirteen game, um, thirteen game streak without a loss would be enough to convince me otherwise. But I'm still a little unconvinced. I mean, first of all, it's it's only like a mildly impressive streak because they have like eight draws. Have, like, you, you, know, have you noticed? Uh, have you noticed that Boaz Myhill is like a secretly fat guy? <laughs> he looks my heel looks a lot like our friend Megan's ex-boyfriend Ken. He does. And that's what I think of every time I see him. Who is also kind of a secretly fat guy. <laughs> it gives hope to all of us normals out here that uh professional athletes they're actually just like us. They have to pull their their goalie uh shirts on like like the sausage casings that they are. This is very true. All right, right. so we agree to disagree on this. I think Spurs, it's going to be a slow burn, but then Spurs are going to blow it out of the water. Okay, so then we think um, the the next match is my my clean sheet of the week. Uh, I am predicting a Kurt Zuma clean sheet in this match, and it's Chelsea versus Bournemouth. I know this is not the most original clean sheet prediction of all time, but I'm sticking with it. My my theme all week has been uh, Kurt Zuma. Coming off of three goals uh, against Everton, Bournemouth just scorching, scorching hot. That is true. That is true. I, I, I'm really on the fence about the Hazard thing um, because I think that it is really, it, you know, it, it would be an incredible leap of faith. It is not a move that you would make based, it'd be a move based on just how he looked in the last couple of game weeks and the fact that he is playing more, you know, more centrally. It's I, like I don't know why he has cheeky punt more. territory. 
Yeah, it is, except he's so expensive. We'll see. Uh, it's a great run for them. I don't think this will be like a 5 nothing game, although Bournemouth have a habit of allowing... I mean, I don't know when the last time they haven't allowed at least three goals in a game. I'm going to predict a uh, a 2 nothing Chelsea win. Yeah. I, I actually think I think Bournemouth will, will, will end the streak and allow less than three goals. Well, if you go back, let's see, a couple weeks, it was just uh, that game against Newcastle. They only let in uh, one one goal against Newcastle. And we could easily compare Chelsea to Newcastle this season, I think. So I'm going to predict a one nothing win for Chelsea. Okay. All right. Well, and actually, uh, Bournemouth have actually allowed two goals, one goal, and two goals um, in the three game weeks that came before this one. So it hasn't been quite as quite as bad as uh, as I said. Shockingly, not as bad, given how yeah. decimated that defense. It came after two consecutive five goal uh, five goal drubbings. Yeah. All right, Newcastle, Liverpool. You have to really like Liverpool here, right? Yep, definitely like Liverpool here. I uh, think that Coutinho is a very tempting captain option this week. And uh, I think that... Um, what I, about I Firmino? No love for Firmino? Yeah, he's just not consistent enough. Yeah, the data is not, the data's not in yet. Yeah, so I think uh, let's go 3-1 Liverpool. I think, uh, I think I could see Newcastle scoring a goal at home. Oh, without a doubt. There is definitely a goal from Newcastle coming here. I agree with you on that one. And uh, here's my, here's my pure, purified water pure watch of the week, Everton <laughs> versus Crystal Palace. I think this is going to be a crazy cagey affair, um, and it could be one where they just trade goals back and forth for 90 minutes. God, I feel so so. I, I feel very differently about this game. Oh, we're at odds at a lot of these fixtures. Yeah, I, to me, this is this is an easy Everton win. I think they're going to win something like three nothing. And this is also my sub eight million goal scorer pick of the week, Gerard Delafeo, going with my own player this week. I think he <laughs> finally. I think he finally scores. Finally scores a goal this game week. Yeah, I like that. That I would. That that seems like easy money to me. Not as easy as under AU against Leicester. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I still have to pick my clean sheet, and I'm going to go with Man United against West Ham. Okay, I like that one. Um, and uh, what's your who's your goal scorer of the week? Andre Ayew. Ah, Ayew, that's and right. You okay. can, who you can buy for a mere seven point one million pounds. There you go. Possible uh, one week punt uh, after Sanchez. All right, Josh, do you agree to meet me on this podcast next week to go through and review the fixtures of Game Week 15 and optimize Game Week 16? I feel like we've talked so long we're already into next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. So uh, I think that'll do it for us. But do remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. Find us on Stitcher Radio. Uh, and where can people contact us, Josh? They can, uh, they can, they can, they can find us on Twitter, and they can, um, they can find us on, uh, they can find us all over the place. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just Google "always cheating." You'll find us pretty easily. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Poku forever. Hail, hail cheaters. And uh, good luck this weekend, Josh. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Same to you. <laughs>
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.